0: It's like putting a humidifier and a demuhidifier in the same room. Yeah, I don't know if you know what exactly I'm talking about, but if you listen to this episode, you will very soon understand why we talked about that and what's going on. 2023 predictions are starting to come in already. Is it going to be a lot more of the same? Is it going to be a big change? I don't know. We'll find out today though, because our guest David Smith from David Smith Home Group has come on today's episode to talk to us about all of the upcoming potential changes and changes that have already happened in the year 2022 and upcoming in 2023. We're talking about federal changes, we're talking about provincial changes, we're talking about all the changes, everything. This is a deep, deep episode, so strap your boots on. I hope you have time to listen and focus, no matter who you are or where you are or what level you have in the real estate market, you're going to need to hear everything we talk about today. As always, I'm Alex McFadden, your host at the YVR Remo Show. And if you're loving the episode, make sure to rate us, review us, and love us on Spotify and iTunes and send us a DM. Let us know that you care. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. We started the conversation right before we had to pause. More of the same going into 2023 and everything is different at the same time I'll
1: change and more the same oh yeah, yeah
0: everything everything's the same but nothing is uh this is interesting so you laid out an unbelievable breakdown of all the potential changes that are either happening have happened or about to happen or at least the most you know it's kind of like a
1: two-month period like it either happened last month or it's going to happen in the next month
0: yeah everything that's important that's going to affect real estate either in BC or in many cases the rest of Canada because we've got listeners all over the country things to think about things to hear and things to know whether you're in the industry or you're just a homeowner you want to know all these Yeah things.
1: it's it's legislative and regulatory changes yeah. that are that are going to have some impact in the market some of yeah. them are going to have large impact and some of them are going to have small impact
0: and some of them's big 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 question marks so I love this so you put together this for all the listeners we'll we'll put a link to David's article in the actual podcast notes so you can have a chance to go through and read this but you put together an article and before we get into the specifics we you had an impact rating i love that the impact rating nine out of ten two out of ten five out of ten and we'll let the listeners read along and, and well, what hear about was really our-
1: interesting was like yeah. when i was writing this article yeah i did after i'd written the article with my own impact ratings yeah i set out the regulatory or legislative change okay on my instagram in a yeah. story and i was like what do you think the yeah. impact is going to be on this okay and it was really varied like some okay. people thought some of the stuff that i think isn't going to have an impact is going to have a huge impact right and then some people thought things that i think are going to have a huge impact aren't going to matter at all so like so consumer
0: sentiments all over the place consumer sentiment is all over the place yeah one quick note you should have made this like sweater rating
1: a sweater written. Uh, yeah, a like yeah. that. Yeah,
0: nine out of 10 sweaters. Merry Christmas. I think man. that would have been a good yeah. I love your sweater today, by the way. You're welcome. We're just chatting about it on air. On air. So you've got 100 David Smith Christmas sweaters yep. you've given away two successfully so <laughs>
1: <laughs> i actually gave away one last year for a five thousand dollar donation okay so I, so can I, I ask
0: one favor if we get anybody that reaches out specifically can we get one winner from the podcast like one winner
1: 100 as long okay. as you give a donation to new hope community services
0: okay so there's got to be a donation so how about this share the podcast Tag up David Smith Holmes and and the podcast us here and uh, David will consider uh, giving yes he will give you one. Alex and is
1: going to make a donation. Is what's going to happen? Of course,
0: of course, absolutely. <laughs> on your we'll, we'll get a donation. So we went we went all the way into this and I know there was an intro, but David Smith, thank you for coming back on the show. Appreciate it. You're second welcome. time and uh, second time in one year. Second time in one year. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Last time was one of our most listened to episodes in the show. We just looked at that whole Spotify wrapped thing for the podcast how cool is that it was great i'm proud of you guys you're doing great yeah yeah the podcast has been a lot of fun in the last uh well can you believe it's been 40 years now almost i can't believe that it's wild so so Fun to have you back and fun to have these conversations. Um, We are going to make sure to explain these things as we understand it. And as we discussed before the podcast, there are a
1: lot of unknowns. So I got an email. I want to read this line. I got an email from BCREA, which is the BC Real Estate Association, one of our governing bodies. And they had just sent us an email this afternoon. And we're, what, December 12th today? Oh, We dated it now, but December 12th, there you go. 14th, something yeah, yeah. like that. So, well, that's uh, good. I'm worse, wearing a Christmas sweater. It, the better Christmas be, it better be mid-December. You <laughs> um, said you're going to
0: wear it in February. So, <laughs> okay, what, what was the email?
1: And, and the email even says, this communication underscores the most immediate policies, some of which have already come into play and some will be coming into play in the next couple of weeks. And then they continue, what we know, what we don't know, And how you can find available resources so even our own you know overseers authorities don't really know how many of these things are going to play out and one of the motivating factors for me in writing this article 2023 all change and more the same was to even just try and get on paper for myself and for my clients like what are the legislative regulatory changes and Can I even begin to try and work out, okay, this is a big lever, this is a small lever, and how is that going to influence my market predictions? Absolutely. To
0: your point, this isn't the first time the government has rolled out uh, changes and then not really known all the implications of the changes or how it's impacted a la foreign buyer tax, a la, well, just... I think there was hour, legislation
1: like... passed this fall that was literally blank. Well, I mean, <laughs> in the we're, legislative, Assembly. we're going to talk. Let's get into
0: it here because sure, we're going to talk about in. a few of these. Well, why don't
1: Why don't we summarize? Like, what are the changes that we're talking about? Sure. Can I give a quick like yes, rundown for yes, everybody? High level. It. So we'll we'll start at the federal level, um, where we're, we'll begin with the Bank of Canada. Yep. Uh, which, understandably, I'm clearly aware. Aren't an extension of the federal government, but they're related and it is gonna have a federal level Canada wide impact, right? right. So interest rates. Yeah. I think they're pretty big. I think you would agree with me. You are a mortgage broker. Uh <laughs> also at the federal level, foreign buyer ban. Yep. Federal level anti flipping tax. Sure um then dropping down to a regulatory one a potential ban on exclusive listings and we'll get into that then we're going to drop into the bc wide ones because i know that you have obviously you have listeners all over canada and actually globally i think you had like 32 countries listening in crazy um someone's just traveling to every single country someone's just bumping around um but a good number of them are in British Columbia. So some of the British Columbian ones, rental restrictions are no more. Boom, like that has happened. Uh, Age restriction options have been massively reduced with kind of like a one size fits all. Yep policy. Um, and then there's going to be a home buyer rescission period. I've had to learn how to spell rescission. Like it, I get it wrong every single time. New that words. might be a problem for me in 2023. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then a landowner transparency registry. So there's a lot of changes that have all been happening at once. And I'm trying to work out what are the big ones, what are the small ones, what are the impact factors? For so sure. that's like our summary of where we're going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and some of these we'll spend more time on than others, obviously, yeah, the nature of what we think could happen. Uh, let's get, I guess, right into it then. David, why don't you lead us off? And- And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll start rattling through these, man. This is your article.
1: Yeah. So interest rates were the number one thing for me and I'll cut to the chase. Yeah. Biggest impact factor by like a country mile. I'm giving this like nine out of 10. So, um, as you and I both know, not particularly much happened at a fundamental level from where we were when the market was absolutely ripping busy, like early to mid 2022, uh, through till wh- where we're at right now, where we've seen you know transaction volume drop around fifty percent in many Canadian marketplaces. It wasn't like um, all of a sudden there were fewer buyers. All of a sudden there were more sellers. Like real fundamental things like that. Uh, it was an artificial reduction, which was an expression of increased interest rates right Mm -hmm. it was intentional it it was absolutely intentional Mm -hmm. so um just as and i think if we're if we're going to look at this we need to be fair like the high prices were an expression of cheap money um and now the depressed prices are an expression of relatively more expensive money right so you have to take it both ways you can't just toss your toys Out the stroller at this point and be like but i wanted more free cheap money like you know this is this is what happens you can't run massively low interest rates forever but we do need to recognize that this isn't an expression of fundamental um, demand or supply so the bank of canada very clearly have made well they've pivoted Mm -hmm. they have begun increasing interest rates um, with quite an aggressive uh, time frame um, you know, we've seen some 25 basis point increases, some 50, and some 75 basis point increases, which are, you know, significant impacts on our full market. 1%. Yeah, full one percent as well. Which oh yeah, I remember that day. <laughs> there yeah. were a few phone calls that day. <laughs> stomach uh, drops. Yeah, stomach drops. That must have been a tough day for you. Um, and that's obviously having an impact. So um, they're trying to obviously take a little bit of the uh, inflationary influence out of the market. Um, there's a couple of ways that inflation can get out of control and it really depends. And this is actually what we talked about on our last podcast. Like I was raising the inflation flag, as you remember, um, well over a year ago, because I'm one of those people that measures inflation at the source. The reason that we're now talking about inflation is because the interest rates are primarily a response to inflation running hot, as they put it right. Uh, it's way beyond the bank of Canada mandate of 2%. Um, and you know, depending on what measurements you're using and what month it is and who you're listening to, we're looking at like around eight ish percent, somewhere in that ballpark. But for me, I tend to measure inflation at the source, meaning, um I'm trying to use a historical definition of what inflation is. You know I was just back in Scotland in September. I went to a vintage bookstore because I was so exhausted with being told that inflation is just an increase in prices. Historically, inflation has been more than just an increase in prices, which is measured by the CPI, um, the Consumer Price Index. Inflation is an increase in prices Caused by, according to a dictionary that I found in Scotland, an old dictionary, <laughs> the Scottish. Dictionary. I, I pulled out the Scottish dictionary. I legit there was a vintage bookstore next door and uh, to a vintage clothing store, and I said, Amanda, you go shopping for half an hour. I'm gonna go find an old dictionary. So I found the old dictionary. An increase in prices, and then it continued caused by an increase in the currency supply we know that there's been a huge amount of currency created um in the last couple of years as a response in part to the pandemic but a significant portion of that was not pandemic spending it was just increased spending um and obviously credit being extended to people and very 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 cheap money so that was inevitably and it continues um And that's actually one of my points why, unfortunately, I don't think interest rates are necessarily going to pull back fast anytime soon. Because um, in the words of Benjamin Tal, who I quoted in the article, this was really helpful. Like, this might be getting too ethereal for people, too technical for people. So what we'll do is, uh, I'm going to quote CIBC's Benjamin Tal, because this has been the best explanation that I've been able to find for people. Uh, He said, if you look at spending, so what the government are, are spending. It's rising a bit too strongly for my taste. If you have fiscal policy rising and monetary policy trying to slow the economy, it's like putting a humidifier and dehumidifier in the same room and seeing who is going to win. And then he goes back to the 1980s. If you go back to the 80s, when they won the war against inflation, it didn't happen until fiscal policy joined the battle.
0: So we should really clarify this. this because yeah.
1: i don't think you know
0: obviously there's a lot there Yep. a fiscal policy the government yep um but believe it or not the bank of canada isn't necessary i mean they everybody has their own opinion on this but they're not the government so to speak yep. they're supposed to be an independent anyways point is there are two separate things and i couldn't agree more with you because you have on one side tiff macklem mm. saying okay let's let's get this under control i need to raise the rates and and he's now the bad guy but yeah. then you've got uh, Trudy over there giving everybody rent checks and I, listen, I'm not here to say that there aren't people that have been haven't been hurt no, by of this. There have been a lot of families, yep. especially yep. in the middle and lower end, that have been negatively impacted 100%. by what's gone on here. Yeah, but giving more money is unfortunately not the answer.
1: No, now. it's unfortunately making it worse because oh. by nature these programs are inflationary because yep. they create more deficit spending. Yes, so it's not like the the currency that's being spread around is coming from a tax surplus yeah it's new currency which is again as someone that measures inflation at the source inherently inflationary making the problem worse so to like summarize it as much as i can and get past big words like fiscal and monetary and inflation and all that kind of thing um we have a problem where they are trying to raise interest rates to bring down inflation inflation which we're experiencing as higher housing prices higher gas prices higher wages higher wages higher grocery bills you know the dollar is buying less spiraling yeah so they're trying to cool that by increasing interest rates um, making money a little bit more expensive slowing the economy down but as we know from history and as we know from basic logic unless you also slow spending which is another inflationary um, measure then raising the interest rates isn't going to help. The way that I summarized it was, um, evidenced by the constant uh, announcements of new spending initiatives, fiscal policy has not yet joined the battle. As a result, these hiked interest rates have done little to cool inflation, have hindered affordability. It's not like people can afford more anymore, and have cost average Canadians hundreds of thousands of dollars in home equity. Because one of the expressions of the interest rate hikes has been, People are able to qualify for smaller and smaller mortgages, and therefore prices are coming down because there's very few cash buyers in the Canadian real estate market. And you and I have both had front row seats to that. So the
0: interesting thing about this is there's quite a few interesting things, but because we have so much to cover, we'll have to keep it relatively straightforward. So I agree with you on all accounts. Uh, Government spending put us here. The cost of money put us here there's an interesting point right now that people should also know and this is so let's go back we're clarifying why we think this will impact 2023 market just in case it's a big move what we're trying
1: what we're trying to work out is how big is the lever
0: right so so what the one thing that we have to remember this is what a lot of people aren't uh realizing is that so we have a qualifying rate a stress test the Mm -hmm. stress test is two percent above the rate you're getting and up until December 7th, yeah. you would take a variable rate mortgage to qualify for more money. That's where it was because fixed rate ups fixed rates went up so much more quickly. Yeah. Today, well, as of December 7th, that no longer is the case. Yeah. Now fixed interest rates are actually going to qualify you for more money. So there's this diminishing return in raising the rates now because no longer is raising rates going to impact house prices, right? So house prices won't be negatively impacted anymore as long as fixed rates stay remotely close to where they are and so the only thing that's going to hurt obviously is current homeowner spending which really at this point what will be the returns because now you're just squeezing people more now than ever Mm -hmm. and well again you're losing home equity you're losing value
1: one of the challenges when you're raising interest rates to try to combat inflation is that it's it's a lagging indicator mm. so you don't actually know sure what yep. impact or the government don't know or the boc don't know um what the impact is what the impact yeah. is until months and months and months later well, there, so there's been concern about you know language has been used like overshooting and that yep. kind of thing yeah so it's it's really difficult for the boc to make these changes so so i you know i, I
0: listen read a lot of economic material and. Yep. Especially around this, obviously, this consideration, and most are suggesting it's probably six months before we actually feel the "quote unquote" reality yeah. of what's happening right here. Um, um, last point on that, in regards to interest rates, just quickly, the the market is pricing in a quarter point again in the spring at yeah. some point, whether it's January or you know February March. The market's p- pricing that in, and that's where the p- market's stopping. That's where the suggestions are that it, it stops.
1: I- assuming so, for the listener, when you're saying that the market is pricing such and such in is that where the banks are setting their fixed rates or how how Not is fixed that being rates set at
0: all so uh, let's
1: just say let's simplify this
0: economic predictions again the bets are being placed let's use that terminology so would
1: that be for example cuz like i'm a consumer as well mm-hmm. and you're in the mortgage side of things i'm in the real estate side of things we both understand economics relatively well but what i'm wondering about is um, when you're saying the market is pricing this in? I think there's is, a few there's a few considerations. Is it in like the media, like when an economist from a big bank comes out and says, this is what we're expecting? Like, what does it look like?
0: Well, I mean, you can look at obviously the yields, but for the sake of our conversation, yeah. I guess you could look at it from two factors. One is the sentiment. Mm-hmm. What's the sentiment in the market? And the other is looking at the economic predictions. And I, unfortunately, again, I don't know that we have time to dig deep into exactly yeah, what people enough. are. But what I would say to that point is use this one consideration when we look at it the short-term fixed interest rates from a market perspective short-term fixed rates are still five high fives whereas long-term rates are, have dropped by in some cases a half to one percent in the last you know two to three weeks which suggests that the one-year outlook is still probably on the high side and the long-term outlook is is down in many ways again there's a lot more to it than that but just yeah. from a conversational perspective last piece on on rates before we move on and you give me your your sweater score to <laughs> <We're on> sweater <laughs> score here today is i do want to touch on for the listener of this episode that again that qualification piece the most misunderstood thing that i'm hearing is that can't qualify yes it hurt your qualification but if rates go up a little bit more it doesn't mean you're going to qualify for less anymore well, it was interesting, interesting
1: actually the uk where i was recently have already removed or reduced their stress the stressed yes So, and I've heard that that's beginning to be floated in Canada as well. Don't think they'll change it. Um, Funny enough, a podcast episode
0: that the listener will probably have listened to at this point, I talk about that, Uh, but for the sake of conversation, we don't have the answer this current second.
1: We have lots of those, unfortunately. Yeah, so we don't know
0: what that looks like. I would say the positive, let's talk about the positive really quickly on rates. Chances are good that we're, if not at the peak, we're very close to the peak. So that's really good. To me, that could fuel the market next year when people know where they stand, they're less fearful about the decisions
1: that they make, as long as they're confident, at least have a general overview. And with interest rates, that is a that is a good example here, where unfortunately we were harmed because the Unknown. BOC came out and said, no, we we're expecting oh, interest yes, rates yes, to remain low. Yeah. <laughs> and they literally, I won't quote verbatim because I can't, but yeah. it was along the lines of, if you're a homeowner, you can trust that interest rates are going to remain relatively low. Or if you're a, a business, business owner... owner yeah. Then you can trust that rates are going to remain relatively low. I don't think they used the word trust,
0: but they did say you can expect you I can expect. Rates to remain so I, I did time. say I
1: couldn't do it verbatim, but that was certainly what was put out into the market. Yep. People did obviously take on a lot of debt, and yep. uh, now in some regards they're paying the price for it. Totally. So what is going to come down to? Like essentially, we're we're trying to work out um, whether or not the the increases that have already been made to the interest rate, yeah, um, are going to be able to combat inflation? Yeah, That's the question. We're not going to know. It's a lagging indicator. Yep. I have suspicions, unfortunately, that unless um, there's a reduction in spending as well, as there was in the 1980s, as Benjamin Tau was referencing, then the interest rate hikes may not be uh, as effective as we had hoped. Um, but I'm hoping <laughs> and trusting that they will work and that inflation will begin to come closer to that. You know, 2% mandated inflation rate that the BOC are trying to deliver on. Lots but we of just on. don't know. David, yeah. how many sweaters out of 10? I'm giving that a 9 out of 10 on the. On the impact factor, on the sweater factor.
0: On the sweater scale. So 9 out of 10 impact on the market. <laughs> what happens with interest rates can impact the market pretty wildly next year. I fully uh, think that the the market will stay relatively steady throughout most of next year. And I think that's going to lead to positivity in the market and more action. So let's move on. We spent good. a lot of time on that one for good reason. Yep. Uh, we've got a lot to get through. And so we're going to have to blast through some of these. Based, we'll do it based on the sweater scale, lower sweater scale. We'll sweater scale, this,
1: this next one is a relatively low sweater scale or impact factor Um, but it's one of the ones that general real estate consumers who were on my instagram story thought was going to have a far higher impact yeah so it's the foreign buyer ban yeah i'm calling it a storm in a teacup okay um we're used to saying the word tax after foreign buyer um, <laughs> for good reason. Like when we were chatting about this before, you I think you almost stumbled into saying foreign buyer tax because we're used to that. This is one of the reasons why I think this is a little bit of a storm in a teacup. Um, turning that into a two-year ban When we already in British Columbia had a foreign buyer tax and a speculation and vacancy tax, I don't think it's going to have that big an impact. For someone that has seen hundreds of contracts, um, we actually have a box on our contract to purchase and sale, which is the offer contract, where someone has to disclose whether or not they're a non-resident for income tax purposes. So that would be someone that's not a permanent resident or not a Canadian citizen. I I have seen those boxes initialed as a non-resident. Out of hundreds of transactions. I could count it on one hand. Now, that's not all of our marketplaces. Like, If you're downtown Vancouver or West Vancouver or Whistler, then sure, maybe you're seeing that a little bit more. But in the vast majority of marketplaces, this is not going to have much of an impact because there simply weren't that many properties uh, being yeah. sold to people who weren't PRs yeah. or citizens. And the other reason why it's low on the sweat sweater scale is there are exemptions. And there's a long list of exemptions.
0: Oh, and so that's just it. Um, Again, why it's a big unknown for me is is quite simply, what are the exemptions? What does that look like? Over what time? I actually do have a client right now where this will impact, so to be clear. Uh, Obviously, in markets where there are more foreign uh, buyers or more immigrants to the country, you're going to see this a lot more. Uh, Two white guys from Langley might not see it as much as perhaps... Here's a
1: counterpoint to it, though. Yeah. If it was going to have a much larger impact... Yeah, we would have seen an influx in transaction volume this month. Yeah, good point. Yeah, we, I, we I think a
0: lot of people just don't know about it. To be honest with you, but yep. uh, I would agree with that statement. However, again, we might not see them all um, in our neck of the woods, so to speak. But I, I'm working with someone right now that's yep. impacted by this, and they're in a rush to to get the contract in place. To me, this is it. Could go one of two ways. It could be just a big old uh, stamp saying I did something from the federal government, right? Or well, I, I think this could be the case as well. It'll it'll basically uh, cordon up a whole bunch of potential foreign buyers, and then in two years, we could see things kind of open up quite a bit. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of fraud that's going to come too, which is just the nature of, unfortunately, the market when you... Limit and they're trying to combat people.
1: that with other measures as well. Yeah, um, But yeah, for me, a little yeah, bit well, of a nothing like
0: burger. Mortgage fraud. I, unfortunately, they try to combat it with CBC articles and so forth, yet I, I hear about it all the time. Thank goodness no one I know, but it's sad. So this is actually at.
1: one of the reasons why... I think the public as a whole yeah. thought that this was going to have a much bigger impact. Yeah. This is one of the things that I hear real estate prices blamed on um, a lot. Foreign buyers, yeah. Foreign buyers. I'm an immigrant, right? Yeah. Like I and you know, when I purchased my home, I was a permanent resident and now I'm a citizen. Um, I think Canada needs to continue welcoming immigrants. And we uh, are not in uh, the right and, way. And and we, <laughs> and we are. So I just don't think it's going to be
0: it's fluff, a, a big man. deal it's it's not a in my opinion it's not a good use of taxpayer time or money nice headline though, so, very yeah, nice yep yeah, yeah sounds good two out of ten
1: sweater scale yeah, yeah. two out of ten and okay. we've got another two out of ten coming up next okay an anti-flipping tax this has been talked about for years, so yeah. let's rip through this so one. this is just another layer of complexity as far as i'm concerned it's very similar like it sounds good in the headlines it makes them look like they're doing something um But again, there are so many exemptions to this because if you think about this in reality, so what they're trying to do is um, kind of stomp out short-term flips in real estate, so like within a year. The problem is, let me read to you the exemptions, right? There will, however, be many exemptions to the taxes, including life events like the death of the individual or related party, an addition to the household, breakdown of a relationship, a threat to personal safety, serious illness or disability, work relocation or termination, insolvency or destruction or expropriation of the home. Like, there are so many potential exemptions there that, again, I don't see this tax coming into play particularly often, especially in a downtrending market yep. where or even a flat market. Like This makes a lot more sense if things are going vertical and you can make you know, an additional 20% on your investment within 12 months. Yep. Plus, this was already being taxed either as business income or as capital gains tax. So again, we already had additional taxes in place you know, inputting an additional tax or a ban is not going to make a big difference. Well, I mean,
0: what they're going for is the folks that were basically riding high on on 2021. Yeah. You know, bought a property, went up in value 200 grand. Okay, let's cash in. Yep. A lot of that happening. And people were just buying it for that purpose. It's not even the people that are flipping it and fixing it and so forth. Because a lot of those folks are flipping it, fixing it, and then renting it or something like that. I, I, what I saw, and I, I did see this, you saw this as well, was people, you know, buying a house, Uh, three months later it went up 100 grand 150 grand 200 grand oh let's buy another one right now let's buy another one right now and let's sell that one right away and there was a lot of that happening again in an exceptionally high market you'll see this happening you're just basically taxing the guy who's who's going in there and, yep. and renovating it now. At this and point. as this
1: is a, a complex tax one, and it was more complex before, like yep. we were having to advise people, okay, talk to your CPA, talk yep. to your professional accountant. Um, I, But there, our clients were getting different advice. Like, well, CRA are going to look at your intent. Like, yep. have you held it for six months, one year, two years? And it was like a lot less stable. At least now we know. It's twelve years, or sorry, twelve months. 12 one months, year, yeah. And these are the exemptions. It's just clear again, nothing. Murder.
0: This, I, I think you're right. The same. I mean, we've seen articles. I've seen articles posted about people who bought and sold and bought and sold bought and sold. And They're clearly flipping, and they didn't pay the tax. Pay the tax. It's an investment. Simple as that. How many sweaters?
1: Uh, two sweaters. OK, move on. Uh, BAN ON EXCLUSIVE LISTINGS. So this is not legislative from okay. government. This one is potentially from the industry. So this was a change that was floated by CREA, the Canadian Real Estate Association. Um, it is very Ontario-centric. I know that you have a few Ontario listing or uh, listeners' <laughs> listings. So I will get into it uh, a little bit, but I'll go relatively quickly. So basically, the Canadian Real Estate Association proposed this change to take effect on January 1st. The change that they were suggesting is if you plan on marketing a property on the Multiple Listing Service, which is kind of our our national database of real estate properties, which is owned by CREA, and, and every realtor in Canada is a member of CREA. They're the ones that own the trademark for, for realtor. Um, and realtor.ca. If the plan was to market it on the multiple listing service, then you had three days to get it on there. You couldn't have it as an exclusive listing for weeks on end. Now, that didn't come into play particularly often in British Columbia um, because we're not allowed to do a limited dual agency where you're able to represent both a buyer and a what, seller. And yeah, I was going to
0: say, let's break that down for all the non estate folks. Yeah, so folks. I'm doing
1: it right now. Um, in Ontario, you can, um, as a realtor, a listing agent, have an exclusive listing, so it's not on the multiple listing service, but you are marketing that property yourself to try to pick up a buyer so that you can sell the property and represent in an agency relationship both the seller and the buyer, and therefore, not have to pay a cooperating fee. I don't want to suggest that every exclusive listing, that's the reason for that. My last sale was on Friday a couple of days ago and it was an exclusive listing. Now, I wasn't able to represent both the buyer and the seller, but there are reasons for exclusive listings. So uh, that caused a lot of realtors to freak out in Canada. They um, made their voices heard to Korea and it's now going to go and be voted on in April whether or not that is a change that we want to see happen as a membership. Um, If you're in Ontario this may have a much bigger impact if you're in british columbia i don't going to I, I don't think it's going to have much of an impact at all i'm giving it like a sweater scale impact factor rating of one out of ten
0: love it sweater scale one out of ten. One sweater that's it okay uh let's get into some juicy stuff because yeah those um, are the
1: canada wide ones now we're getting into british columbia <laughs> yeah so
0: so we get a lot of bc listeners obviously the nature of the, yeah. where we're located here and I mean, we are the YBR Remo show, so we typically talk about Vancouver-related events in many ways. But, I mean, it's good to kind of broaden things up. So this is BC, this is Vancouver, this is what's happening in surrounding areas and so forth. And so this one in particular, just I I really just want to open up and talk about this briefly because this one came around exceptionally quickly, November, if I can recall. Yeah. Uh, You know, as soon as um, David Eby came into power, more or less said, we're going to make a change. And he did it. He made a change really quickly. The rental restrictions and the age restrictions. And, I mean... Um, the, the the thing about these rules, and we're gonna to touch talk talk on them talk on them independently, but they're gonna end up mixing together pretty quickly. Is that I think intent is positive. I think there's a ton of value in both. The biggest consideration from my perspective is that again, the sentiment from the government around these is that they're gonna make some massive wholesale change. And in my opinion, I think, and i maybe I should say more of this in closing. I think the reality is is there probably more short term changes and a whole lot of confusion. And let's get into it then. So a lot of research- confusion,
1: but again, some positive headlines. Yes, um,
0: it's all about the headlines. A,
1: a lot of it is about the headlines, unfortunately, because they're mm-hmm. trying to convince people that they are doing things for affordability. Yep. Um, but unfortunately, what happens? The more you have intervention in marketplaces, yeah. Um, the more, unfortunately, it benefits some people and penalizes others. Yeah. So. I mean, the first example of what we're talking about here is rental restrictions are no more. And that's referencing long-term rentals. It's not referencing short-term rentals. Yeah. We should make that clear for people because I know that you'll have people reach out to you looking for like an Airbnb or yep. VRBO or something like that. I have people reach out for the same uh, reason. This isn't changing that legislation. That's a separate legislation. What this is changing here is if you had purchased a property Um, with no rentals allowed or rentals allowed with restrictions, according to the strata bylaws, those bylaws are no longer enforceable anymore. So trying to work out how that's going to impact the market is really, really difficult, because it's going to depend very much on someone's situation. So a couple of scenarios that I ran through. um, Well, let's say you are a real estate investor. And I know you deal with a lot of investors, right? Um, They previously were limited to primarily rentals allowed buildings. Maybe there were a few rentals allowed with restrictions. And for the listener, a restriction would be like a maximum number of people that were able to rent, like number of units, or a maximum percentage of units. Um, That was where investors, for the most part, were limited to, rentals allowed or rentals allowed with restrictions. So they would pay a premium for those buildings often, for those complexes often, right? Now that investors aren't necessarily being channeled into. Um, a limited number of potential complexes for them to put that equity in um, Is that going to pull back prices on those buildings where previously there was more investor demand and now that investor demand has been dispersed across? Um, every complex. I th- I think disproportionately it will hurt those buildings Now this is what I'm talking about when you have people kind of playing with the levers unfortunately some people win and some people lose. So that's one potential scenario that expresses that reality. Um, former no rentals allowed stratas, particularly older, cheaper complexes, they might see increased demand, right? Um, because previously they weren't open for potential investment. Now they're open, and all of a sudden the investors that are going away from those nice, shiny new rentals allowed buildings, um, maybe they can afford slightly less, maybe they're going through challenges in their own financial life and they have less to invest than they did previously, they're going to go for an older, cheaper building and they're going to rent that out. Now, that could also potentially have ramifications um, because sometimes people will purchase in a no rentals allowed property for a reason. They may have had bad experiences with tenants in the past. And I'm certainly not saying that all tenants are bad. Don't hear me wrong. Oh boy. Uh, oh boy. Oh boy. Here we go. All there, over Twitter. There are some buildings um, that I've been in, which are rentals allowed, like period, or historically were rentals allowed, period. And it's almost all investors that own them. Yep. And the pride of ownership can occasionally suffer in those kinds of complexes. Um, it's it's and and to be clear, like it's not a bad thing to be a renter. No, of
0: course not. Um, I have amazing tenants in my properties that take exceptional care of my. Units. And I've rented
1: for um, um, more time in the last fifteen years than I've owned.
0: That being said, there is proof that. To, as as a general rule, yeah. a homeowner is more likely to spend the time and the energy to fix yeah. something that is theirs inherently. But they also have a right, they have to, right? Yeah. Like they have to so do if so. if you're
1: one of those people in an older, cheaper building that yeah. is now going to swing disproportionately more towards being investment properties, yeah. that may be a potential negative impact yeah. uh, for someone as well. You can also see sometimes investors, particularly if interest rates are climbing and their payments are climbing, that kind of thing, maybe they don't want to spend quite so much on ongoing yeah. maintenance on the building which can delay potential investment in the exterior and systems of the the home so um i think what's what's happened too
0: is that people think about these things in the extremes where it's yeah. not in the extreme situation it's just like
1: Uh, less this is part of the problem is that we're trying to work out yeah how is this going to impact the market as a whole when these are all relatively um extreme examples yeah one one final one on on that one Uh, i had a number of clients in the past who for whatever reason um no longer were able to live in their um unit yep and they wanted to rent that unit out rather than sell yep um and they applied for hardship. Yeah, uh, There was one that ended up in the Vancouver Sun. And we were able to get a win for that client. But it was it was incredibly hard. Well, now my client would have been able to hold on to that home because they wouldn't have needed a hardship exemption. Yep. Um, so again, all these things unfortunately make predictability of the market a little bit more challenging when you're having wholesale changes just decreed from the top down.
0: I mean, I think the general consumer sentiment is, oh my God, gosh depending on your beliefs here the uh, the reality is now we're going to have uh, hundreds of thousands of of uh, landlord scumbag you know <laughs> whatever you want to call it scumbag landlords buying all these properties and renting them out to scumbag people and that's just not the case no it's again the extremes are what what most people think of probably because that's what the media reports is the extreme of every circumstance there's just in my opinion i think what you said is key is there's a lot of wins but there are some losses like back to your and point, that's what
1: we're that is what i'm trying to work out how yeah. do those balance out in the coming months
0: Again, I think from and purely from and this is looking at it from an investor investor mindset, at least as of right this moment, you can find some great value. Right yeah. now in the marketplace, I really do. I think back to your point about property valuation. I don't think the property value market will catch up quickly, even if it is rentals rentals allowed, because the market is suppressed right now. Yeah. And I think that's an exceptional potential opportunity, particularly in areas and locations where there were a lot of uh, these rental restrictions, a la White Rock, yeah. you know, in Abbotsford in some areas. And sure it does happen.
1: potentially offer up some cash flow opportunities for real estate investors, yes, which ultimately is going to be better for potential tenants because it's hopefully going to increase inventory. Yeah, lower
0: price properties. Exactly. Great rent in good areas and more opportunity to improve. So yeah. sweat equity will be a big part of this. So,
1: and best case scenario for a potential tenant there is if you get a large enough increase in inventory, potentially, you know, that's a little bit of a cap yeah. on how high rentals uh, yeah. are going to go. So, Overall, I'm actually giving this one a six out of ten. Six ten. I think this one is a relatively big impact. Yep. yep. Um, we just don't know exactly how it's gonna play out.
0: I think the biggest thing on that, because we're talking about 2023, is that this will take years to play out, yeah. assuming it stays the same, because it's not like all these people are randomly just gonna go and sell their, yep. their buildings that were rental restricted. A lot of these people live there, right? So they're not just gonna go start selling those things. In fact, they probably will end up just keeping them. So we'll see what that looks like. It'll be interesting. It'll keep
1: more money in British Columbia as well, potentially, because we did see investors, you know fleeing to alberta yep. um i know you worked with a, a number of them so yep. that's a good thing overall as well
0: all right let's get on to uh
1: so that's a this 6 one's super similar <laughs>
0: yeah yeah so again of a lot of maybes but i think it's a little bit less complex uh, in some ways maybe not in all ways but nonetheless straightforward age restriction options the 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 british columbia government yep. came out and said okay there's no such thing as age restrictions anymore oh wait wait, there with is what such exemption? thing <laughs> with one exemption you can be 55 plus. So of yeah. course, as we know, there's 19 plus 45 plus, which are the most common I've seen 30 plus yep. as well. I mean, there's no real rule on that. It's just a matter of what it is. Um, taking that away will be exceptionally interesting. We I know you'll talk about like the fact that people can vote on the ages and so forth, but I'm I'm more interested more than anything else in this one and curious. It's been
1: it's been the one that's had the fastest response. Like yeah, of I course. literally today <laughs> why in, do you think that in, is? <laughs> Most people
0: have a lot of time on their hands. <laughs> they
1: do. Literally today I received an email with minutes from a special general meeting in a complex locally here that I sold a couple of weeks ago, where they've already responded. It was a 45 plus build or complex. Now it's a 55 plus complex. It happened immediately. So to just clarify for people, Alex touched on it really quickly. Historically, prior to this change, there were um, a number of different age restrictions that were finding their way into bylaws across British Columbia. Uh, Some of them would be 19 plus, some of them would be 30 plus, some of them would be 45 plus some 55 plus rarely would it go over that. Um, Now, Obviously, that potentially puts someone at a disadvantage. Um, you could even have like a 19 plus building, but then that person um, gets pregnant or a partner gets pregnant, and sure. all of a sudden they're going to have children. What do the bylaws say? Oh, you have a year to sell, you have two years to sell. Like There were all kinds of cases like that. And many of these cases would find their way to court. Now, um, my understanding is that one of the reasons that 55 plus is the one exemption to this no age restrictions bylaws allowed Um, is that 55 plus is one of the few ones that's actually held up in court. In fact, I believe it's the only one that's held up in court previously. Mm. So the government's not going to want to challenge that. And I think they would have a lot of very angry people who have chosen to live in an adult-oriented community. So 55 plus is still allowed. Similar to the last one on the rental restrictions side of things, um, the challenge is going to be that this, again, disproportionately um, helps some people and hurts others. So who does it hurt? let's let's pick on someone that purchased in a 19 plus building, right? They're in their mid 20s. They thought, you know, I'm going to live here until I decide I'm going to have children or move out of the area or whatever it is in like five, 10 years, something like that. Well, their strata may well have already called a special general meeting tabled. Okay, we can't be 19 plus anymore, but we still want to be adult oriented. We're going to go to 55 plus. Now that person in their mid-twenties is most likely going to be grandfathered, the problem is going to come when they go to sell, because they purchased it as a 19 plus with a much larger potential buyer pool, compared to now it's 55 plus and that's a much smaller buyer pool. As someone that sold age-restricted buildings and units within buildings, um, it is significantly harder to find a buyer for that, which is going to put downward pressure on your prices. And of course, the inverse is true as well. You could have a complex who had age restrictions. And now, instead of going 55 plus, they're just saying, you know what? all our age restrictions are over, we're not going to be an age restricted complex anymore, and that may see an increase in their value as well. So again, this is part of the problem with central planning in general is it's going to disproportionately impact some people positively and some people negatively. Uh, Impact factor, I think overall, is going to be about 4 out of 10. I think this is going to open up potentially um, a little bit of inventory for people. But not, I I think the majority of complexes, if at least if they're 45 plus are just going to bump to the 55 plus, that's my expectation. And I'm seeing it already in the The 45 plus makes sense. And there aren't
0: nearly as many 19 plus, uh, that I've seen out there at least. And so to your point, if that's the case, then chances are there will just not be that much in the pool. And again, it cr- circles back that same yep. conversation. The reality is, is it's not like these guys are all of a sudden going to go sell their properties because nope. it went up in value by $10,000 overnight, right? The market's yep. not going to react like that quickly. I do, least, th- I do think, though, not.
1: like in some cases, this will be a bigger a bigger difference to people's equity and potential future sale price than $10,000. I, yes, I know long-term. because I will sell in the same market an age-restricted condo to a non Age restricted condo, and the difference can be, you know, comfortably $50,000. So that isn't an insignificant amount of money. And I think, unfortunately, no predictability, dependability, stability of the market is something that we should be aiming for. Well, they like to make changes. So they're going to make four changes. out of 10 on the sweater four, scale impact factor.
0: Four sweaters out of 10. All right. So the last two, uh, we've left the last two, and we'll do a sum up because I think the summary is going to be uh, yep. pretty solid. So Home buyer rescission period okay we've been hearing about this now for <laughs> uh 18 years um no I mean like listen like this this has been talked about since 2020, 2021 some kind of like uh, period to protect homeowners and and I like the idea to a degree of, and well I like the degree or, uh, the idea in general of protecting uh like the consumer like yep. I think that's great I think it just comes the bound, buyers back buyers in this case yeah the buyer in many cases but you have to be conscious of the seller yep and where they're at, there has to be something in the middle. And I don't know. I, I just find this to be incredibly confusing. And it's probably going to have a whole bunch of fun little things. But I don't know if it'll actually move the needle anyway whatsoever. I, I don't think, it think it'll move gonna,
1: the needle particularly now. So yeah. this is, again, probably years too late. Oh, oh no doubt about um, that. Yeah, maybe in 2020. Because, because let me explain really quickly what sure. this change is. Yeah, so the it. home buyer rescission period um, is an expression in the resale market of what's actually already present in the pre-sale market. Yep. So uh, developers are under the Real Estate Developers Marketing Act. Um, it's it's a different legislation and it has baked into it a seven-day rescission period yep. um, where a buyer, for whatever reason, can choose to walk away, not to proceed with the sale. Now, that makes sense in that context because you, you're not generally going to get to take care of your Subjects during that time frame anyway, right? Like your financing. Well, it's probably beyond what you can get an unconditional approval for Anyway, a home inspection can't take place because the property's not being built yet Yeah, uh, titles yet to be transferred. There's so many things that you're not able to do But they're still giving you an out there in that context. I can I can understand that um, in the resale market what's changing here is There's a three business day home buyer rescission period being added carte blanche to every single contract. And there's no exemptions from it. The buyer can't release themselves. The seller can't release them. um, And if you choose to walk away following or during those um, three business days, which in reality could be up to six days, depending on when the contracts are signed and holidays and weekends and everything else, You can choose to walk away not based upon standard subjects like getting your financing your home inspection uh, reviewing the title property disclosure statement insurance strata documents septic inspection feasibility whatever it is right like um, you can choose not to blame one of those subjects but just to walk away Mm -hmm. but there is a condition or a caveat where there would be essentially like a, a fine or a levy there of 0.25% of the total purchase price um, that would be paid by the buyer to the seller. Do I anticipate that that's going to be paid particularly often? Absolutely not, because in almost every single contract that we're seeing these days, um, they're not subject-free contracts anymore. You have a standard often, not always, but often. And the vast majority of the time, you would have seven days, for standard subjects or 10 days or two weeks or whatever it is. So the likelihood of, of this actually coming into play for people is relatively low. Um, again, this is one of these legislations that's that's got a lot of unknowns about it. Um, I'm a broker owner and we won't be um, asked by the government to take those deposits to be held in trust. So. You know, is the seller going to go them. after the buyer? Yeah. We've been told that we're not to have anything to do with that. I can tell you from my experience in real estate, if if my sellers heard the answer like, oh, well, Dave, remember the 0.25 percent like that's going to be ours now because the buyers decided to walk away. They're not going to accept me saying, yeah, no, I'm actually not supposed to have anything to do with that. <laughs> my sellers, are going to, they're going to be like, What? So I don't really know how that's going to play out either. But I think the likelihood of this having an impact at all is, again, like 2 out of 10. It makes for nice headlines. A lot of people seem enthusiastic about it. I've seen the comments on Facebook posts. I've seen the people on my own Instagram stories rating it like 4 or 5 out of 10. In the real world, I do not think this is going to make a difference unless we see another really hot market with sales ratios at like 75, 80, 100%, where there's temptation to writing subject-free uh, offers again.
0: It's, uh, I mean, I don't even know what more I say. I, I agree with you. Um, I think it's more about headlines. Again, circle back. What I it think, is,
1: unfortunately, is I, I called it immediately provincial paternalism. Like, I don't need the government to be my daddy and tell me, hey, I'm reserving for you three days to just change your mind. But like, I think, I think...
0: I think the challenge is that the people spoke and they were loud enough to say, we need a change. And this is the change they come up with. And in the industry, we can see right away that the impact is probably minimal at best, but people are happy because they made a change. And perhaps you know there'll be maybe they'll be happy afterwards. Maybe the change will be positive. Maybe there will be less of that. Maybe I will say
1: this is going to be a lot of contractual change. Like we've already walked through this with our agents. This is going to increase the complexity again. And unfortunately, again, when you have more central planning, it leads to more complexity more bureaucracy and inevitably to more cost. What
0: what's interesting about that is exactly to that point is this can actually hurt the consumer in a couple of ways. Now, I'm not going to say it hurts some of the ways that they're thinking of. The interesting thing is most people say, you know, well, not most people, sorry, some people say, people online say, because, you know, they have a lot to say uh, on Twitter or otherwise, that, hey, who, who needs a representative? Who needs a real estate agent? Who needs support? Who needs a lawyer? for that matter. And this to me says you need a really good lawyer and you need someone who corresponds with a lawyer really well, just like all the rules in our mortgage world that come in. It's one more reason that real estate
1: professionals, which include- One of the reasons why I wrote this on Saturday was so that I could advise my clients well yep. so that I'm aware of all the legislative changes. You understand it you can educate uh, like on like the, yeah. the cream is going to rise to the top in this market because it is getting more and more and more complex.
0: Good news is yes, you're right. The part-timers in the industry will probably have to make a decision to go all in and educate themselves the time and the energy. And that's not to beat up anybody nope. who's struggling in this business and perhaps not there yet uh but it's people that don't take it seriously that i'm talking about so someone who doesn't take this industry as a serious craft may struggle because they'll need to understand this or get in hot water and now more than ever that level of experience and education will be exceptionally important so if you're in that position if you are that you know, part-time or whatever, and you're trying to get that level of support and education. For so you know the consumer, employment. though,
1: I'm giving it like a 2 out of 10. On yeah, the as a vaccine. consumer,
0: you're just going to be confused about another line of the contract, and you're hoping that you have someone that can really articulate that to you and yeah. have, a, have a good friggin' lawyer, right? All
1: I'm going to be saying to people is there's a 0.25% uh, fine associated with this, and they're going to be like, are we going to get that if they walk away? And I'm going to have yeah. to say 99.9% yeah. of the time, no, because they're going to tell you we didn't qualify for financing. There you go. Not if they're working with you, of course Well, of course fires. not. Of course not. <laughs> uh, final two, one, two. really quick. I'm giving this one, I'll just say it off the bat. Uh, Sweater scale impact factor, one out of 10, and it is the landowner transparency registry. This was announced uh, back in 2021 as a anti money laundering. Tony's oh, been talking about this for a while, hey? Tony's bags. Yeah. Um, yep. But November 30th, 2022 was the deadline for people that hold properties in trusts, in corporations to disclose um, essentially who the owners of, of those um, vehicles are. Um, I don't think this is going to change particularly much. Ob- obviously, it increases transparency. It gives the you know public government more knowledge of private citizens and their corporations and everything else. Um, hopefully, it will reduce money laundering. But quite frankly, our FinTrack requirements, our anti-money laundering requirements, were already quite high as it is. Um, so we'll see if it makes a difference. But for day-to-day, it's not going to reduce demand. It's not going to increase supply. It's not going to have a fundamental difference. It's a 1 out of 10 for me. Agreed. There will be an impact.
0: Um, but if, if the impact is the question of the conversation, is does this impact the day-to-day market prices? I don't think so. Undoubtedly, no. So there was a lot to cover there. Uh, no doubt we've covered everything from high-level economics. You sound tired. I am exhausted from this. Like, I'm actually exhausted. It's a lot
1: of change. This is why I'm trying to get my head around it and help our clients get their heads around it because it sounds like a lot. Yep. Like, I even end, like, saying, if your head is spinning, you're not the only one. Yep. Um and this didn't even cover every single one of the federal uh, no. guidelines that we we
0: and some of these federal guidelines that came in are are positively, you know, are positive for the consumer, the the new Tfsa, these different types of things. But, like this is just a snippet of the changes that are coming in. I love the sweater scale. And for anybody listening, well, obviously you're listening to the podcast. For everyone listening to the podcast, you have to take a minute to go pop on YouTube and check out uh, David's <laughs> sweater uh, or the Instagram account at the YVR Remo show or just like go look at David's Instagram account. It'll be tagged in there and and check this out because I mean, it, that's the sad part about a podcast is we can't see you in the glory until we, sweater, until we guys. see that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do want to finish up though, because I do think it's important. Like um, when I was talking to some of the agents at the brokerage recently, um, a number of people are feeling almost like we're just receiving this. Like it's coming from the top down and there's nothing that we can do about it. I would remind everybody, like you can talk to your MP, you can talk to your MLA. I've talked to both my MP and MLA in the last year and they've been very receptive, they've wanted to hear from me as a Canadian citizen. Um, This isn't necessarily the best path for us, at least in my opinion, moving forward to have a lot of this top-down legislation landing, trying to constantly pull levers, because unfortunately, the more market interference that you have, The more levers you have to pull and the smarter you have to become, the more bureaucracy increases, the more inflation increases as a result of that, the more potential um, disproportional impacts to people happens as well. Well, It's it's
0: like having to be an accountant to understand your taxes. It's It's just,
1: yeah, it's completely out of control. I think we need to probably advocate for a return to just you know, basic free market principles and that yeah. would be the best to benefit everybody. And the so
0: uh, there's a lot of things I can say. I won't say right now, but I I will try to play this a little bit vanilla at this point right now and suggest that I agree. I do think government intervention will continue to pose unique challenges. The one thing I will provide the listener, investor, buyer, agent, whoever you are, wherever you are, is that in the market that most of us are listening, which is the greater Vancouver area. And of course, there's many others, but primarily in that region, uh, you have one thing that continues to push the value. And that one thing is that level of supply and that level That's of- That's why
1: I was talking about fundamentals in Man. the beginning. Like yep. all of this is artificial.
0: <laughs> yeah. So until they fix that, um, sure, we'll see market values depressed for a period of time. It won't be forever but it will eventually come back. At when and how much is always the question, um, but I'll, I'll leave it with this. If you have the ability to buy real estate you know, in the next little bit here, I'd suggest if you're in a good position cash-wise, you consider doing so. I, I strongly believe that. But uh, those are my thoughts. My thoughts only, and that's it. This is not financial advice. Thank you, David, for coming on the show today. Appreciate it, man. Second time around. We'll see if you like this episode. Let us know. Let David know. Reach out. Send us a reply. Share it the show. It was a deep
1: one, but we're trying to we're trying to help people understand the changes. You got it.